Welcome to the Evangelism Training Podcast. I'm Josh Finner. So excited to be joined today by my good friend, Jordan Acker. I've known Jordan for about 15 years, which out of all the guests we've had on the show by far is the longest I've known any of them. And uh, I've always appreciated Jordan. I first came to know him when I was a student at Bowling Green, and he was on staff with crew at the time. And uh, ever since then, he's, I've always looked up to Jordan as almost like the older brother I never had. So Jordan, what would you like to share about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you said my name correctly. So only only my true friends uh, use my name, Jordan Acker. It's A C E R. Looks like Acer. So you are in the inner circle, my friend. And uh, yeah, just a little bit of background about myself. Uh, you know, obviously we met through Crew. Um, I went to uh, the Ohio State University. So my experience as an undergrad with Crew was uh, not at BGSU, not at Bowling Green, where, where you attended, uh, but was challenged to go uh, you know, serve there and learn how to do ministry a little bit differently. So that, I mean, that shaped some of my uh, mindset on evangelism, but it certainly started before that. And I think um, my, you know, my background, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My, my parents both came down here to go to the Ohio State University as well and stuck around. It was a good place to raise a family. I have an older and younger brother, um, and we, we grew up going to church. Uh, I, I myself was into ath athletics and, and sports and kind of saw everybody at church as I would call them nerdy Christians. You know, I didn't get to know anybody in the youth group. And so I didn't really have close Christian friends, to be honest. I mean, you know, yeah, that impacted, you know, the people you surround yourself, uh, impact how yeah. you think and behave certainly at all walks of life, but, you know, in, uh, you know, the middle school and high school years, they, you know, shape you. But even on this topic of evangelism, if you surround yourself by people who are doing evangelism and, and care about talking about Jesus, you're going to be, you know, increasing your heart for others in that sense. But, you know, certainly I was around the wrong crowd at those seasons. And when I went to college, I, I had thought about it as is a season where, uh, you know, similar to what they say about Vegas, you know, what stays in Vegas, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, you know, my older brother gave me that advice, what happens in college stays in college in those four years. And that's not the case. I mean, you'll find that out, but consequences can carry through life. Uh, but thankfully, my first year in college, I had some guys who lovingly kept inviting me to a first year fellowship, they called it a Bible study. And they lived a floor above me in the dorm. And I very had very little interest in joining them. I was joining a fraternity, uh, you know, doing that for social reasons. And um, they kept asking me if I wanted to go to the Bible study. I eventually gave in, thought there might be some cute girls there and, and uh, uh, went and, and Jeremy, uh, you know, I went once or twice. I wasn't, you know, interested in, in staying there, you know, long-term, but Jeremy, one, one of my dearest friends now kept inviting me, but he kept asking me beyond that invitation, how could it be praying for me? And just the the power of prayer in my life was life changing. You know, I I prayed a prayer of salvation. You know, the sinner's prayer growing up. You know, at least a dozen times. Every time it was offered, I raised my hand. You know, it's like I knew I was a sinner. I was going to pray that prayer. But it wasn't until my first year in college, Jeremy asking me, someone who is a, a becoming a friend of mine and a peer, asking with genuineness, "How can I pray for you?" Well, I kind of shoved him away and said, I don't need your prayer. And, and uh, Jesus and I are close. We're cool, man. And uh, certainly I was not following Jesus in that season of life. But um, when I needed prayer, I knew who to turn to. So part of my, part of my you know, thoughts on evangelism is, is being available and accessible. And certainly, you know, Jeremy was available and accessible, accessible to me. 
when I needed him, when I needed that prayer. And in that season, it wasn't a day or, you know, a moment, uh, but in that season, I started to understand Jesus, not only as my savior, but Lord of my life. And that lordship is really what changed the trajectory of, of who I am and, and whose I am and who and, and why I'm here. It gave, gave me purpose uh, beyond, you know, getting a good degree and a good career and, uh, you know, all the things that you dream about as, as a young man. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's enough of a background. My, yeah, that's great. I have a, a wife of 15 years. So you met us within our first year of marriage. Uh, we have seven children and one on the way. So have been blessed in that. And that's a whole nother God story. Um, and, and that I was done at having children at four. Uh, but God got me over my selfishness and, and showed me that I am here on this earth to serve him and also serve my wife in an unselfish manner. So that was a season that our largest age gap is between four and five. Um, you know, and that's the whole other story in itself, like I said, but you know, happily married 15 years, you know, beautiful family uh, in the profession of, of wealth advising, just took the leap of faith and uh, joined a partner uh, at the beginning of, of this year in January. So that's been quite another faith journey, but our testimony is ongoing. You know, it's 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 not just what happened in the past, but what God is doing in our story and in our lives today. So, figured I'd give you that background. Yeah, I appreciate that and sharing about your testimony. Um, I'd be curious, as almost like another testimony of kind of what's your so you you really got serious about faith in college, but as far as being concerned with evangelism and having a passion for that. What's kind of like your origin story with that? Yeah, certainly. I think uh, we're all uh, impacted by evangelism, you know, the great commission. So, you know, somebody took the Bible literally and seriously and, and wanted to share uh, the gospel with somebody else who then shared it eventually with us, you know, hundreds and thousands of years later. So, you know, th that uh, that call to uh, evangelism in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew is 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 important. Um, I think people are gifted in uh, in, in evangelism and, and and extroverted. You know, that certainly is my personality and so maybe some of my giftings, but that's not a not a excuse not to be uh, caring, you know, care about others and, and want to talk to other people about Jesus. So um, just because somebody is in, an extrovert or an evangelist, if you look at that as a, as a spiritual gift, uh, doesn't exclude others from not being uh, concerned about the eternal salvation of, 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 you know, their fellow man. So I think I, uh, when my life changed, you know, I, I started seeing my purpose differently and started seeing people differently, you know, and, and the way that, you know, it's a beautiful thing. You, you start to see people less of how they can benefit you and you start to see, you know, and ask the question, how can I serve them? How can I love them? And and caring more about their needs than your own. Um, so there's a there's a book early on that one of my mentors had me read. Um, uh, it's called the Celtic Way of Evangelism. I mean, what I what I remember and and can recall back from that was that it was it was a way of life. It wasn't just something that you went out and did you know, on, on campus, you went, you know, in open air evangelism and went to go, but it was, it was a way of life and kind of woven throughout all of who you are. Um, you know, not just a, a, an opportunity to kind of put it on my calendar for one hour a week to go out and do open air evangelism. So it was, it was really a way of life to always be about Jesus, always desiring to, and wanting to take the conversation to Jesus 
and eternal matters because uh, those are the things that really matter. Interesting. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of that book. Is that is it based on like history and like how the Celtic people evangelized when um, when the gospel was new to that part of the world? Or absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's it is it is tied into the the, the historical uh, time and setting. Um, you know, and kind of in in looking back at you know what was happening, why was the gospel spreading? Uh, you know, there in that area of the, of the world uh, at that time. Uh, so you know, and and taking that to you know the Western world and saying how can we you know use some of this you know what we learn by looking back at history and apply it to our Western culture and today. So yeah, it's it's not something I've read recently. It's a long time ago. Sure. Um, you know, so I don't have all the the, the details uh, for you there. But but yes, that's the premise of the book. Interesting. So then, not necessarily from the book itself, but what are some insights that you feel like you've learned over the years uh, about a lifestyle that's evangelistic, where you're really living that out? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I, you know, somewhere early on in my my faith and and young faith, uh, I thought I was going to be in ministry. Didn't know what that meant. I met with my 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 childhood pastor, my parents' pastor at that time, thought I was going to go get an MDiv, be as cool as Josh Benner. Um, but I, I realized that um, that wasn't for me. You know, everybody, everybody's different. And, um, you know, I, I did not choose to go down that path. Uh, but in that wrestling, in that time, you know, somebody had shared with me that we are all called to ministry whether it's yeah. full-time vocational ministry or, you know, marketplace ministry or ministry in our families, like we're all called to ministry and, and ministry is, is ministering to others is creating disciples and um, you know, and, and discipleship making and, 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 you know, those who are then in turn sharing with other people, I mean, that idea of multiplication, but it was, it was that season that, um, you know, kind of became more of a lifestyle uh, wherever God was going to take me. Actually, I was, after crew, I had uh, be, joined the financial services, and I thought I wanted to be a financial advisor. This was 2008, 2009. The market had crashed. I was I had a dinner with this advisor who was a uh, missionary to China for 10 years. And uh, and then at this point in time, when I met him, he had been an advisor for 10 years. So he had gone through the uh, two crashes at that point and was in the midst of the second one. And so, you know, just he shared about how much of a challenge it was to be an advisor in that season. But he gave me this advice, and I, it's so funny because I don't even remember his name. Uh, all my communications were internal when I was at Morgan Stanley, so I can't even look up uh, this gentleman's name, but it was a, a referral from a friend. And we sat down for dinner, and he said, I don't know you from Adam, but I'm going to give you this advice. If you prioritize three things, if you prioritize your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse and family, and then you prioritize others above yourself, you're going to be successful wherever you go. So it was, you know, God, you know, wife and family, and then others, and yourself not in the list. I mean, when the selfishness creeps up, or these get out of order, the priorities get out of order, then you're going to be unsuccessful. His story, he was, again, a missionary in China and was pulled off the field. So he, because he prioritized others, the mission, never above God, but equal to God, was this, I'm called to, I'm sent by my church, you know, people are funding this ministry, and it was equal to God. Well, what was below then his mission and others and the Chinese people was his family. So his priority, getting the priorities out of out of whack, 
you know, ended up impacting his marriage and his family. And, you know, he was ended up pulled off the field. And he said, I failed those that I was trying to serve and love and care about by truly getting those things out of priority and not understanding that I needed to love and serve my wife and my family first and foremost. You know, so it was just, he said, again, he said multiple times, he said, if you prioritize those, th those three things in that order, God, wife and family, and then others, you're going to be successful wherever you go. And uh, I didn't become a financial advisor right after that. You know, it was several years sure. that, you know, I'm kind of working in, in career. And, but it was just that, that idea of prioritization and, and the intentionality in relationships that, that kind of has impacted mine. So, I mean, I, I, I struggle with, because I have the gift of evangelism and desire to go do, sometimes I struggle with, um, you know, the family responsibilities. And certainly that has grown over the years with the number of children and my understanding of that responsibility and that role uh, has grown over the years too. And, and, you know, I'm hopefully, you know, my prayerfully raising up children that, that fall in love with Jesus at a young age and, and then can yeah. go out and tell other people. So. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I think it's interesting how, uh, how easy it can be for Christians or, you know, across the whole spectrum of people who, you know, might not be in any kind of vocational ministry versus a missionary versus a pastor, where you can really start to put, uh, maybe not above God, but you can put, you can get your priorities out of whack and put things on an equal footing with God. And it's so interesting how easy I think it can be to get kind of misguided in uh that pathway um uh, even yeah, that for takes intentionality yeah for sure um and you also touched on something i've, I've heard you say before and that I, I think is helpful that you know everybody has a ministry and i think maybe especially in our culture uh i think a lot of times we, we think of other people i don't want to say this i feel like we give too much maybe responsibility or credit or to professionals uh, in the church. I think that, I think it happens with youth ministry uh, where not all parents by any means, but too many parents overlook their own responsibilities of discipling and evangelizing their yeah. own children and think it's, it's the youth pastor's job. I think the youth pastor should be a compliment to that, not because uh, you only see that person once, maybe twice a week. Um, you know, but but I don't think it's just with youth ministry. I think it's with all sorts of different activities of the church. Um, you know, the the only thinking that you do about the Bible in the course of a week is hopefully not just from the sermon, you know, that you yeah. hear on Sunday. You know, hopefully throughout the rest of the week, you're also reading and engaging with God's word. And, um, and so I think it can be easy to feel like different things of, discipleship evangelism service um almost like that's not your job uh or 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 maybe like a person can feel like they can wash their hands of it like it like it's not their responsibility um and so i think that is uh, helpful to keep in mind that everybody is called to minister every christian has gifts um the bible tells us that in multiple places and those gifts are meant to be used to build up the kingdom and serve God. Uh, I've made the analogy before of like World War II, even if you weren't in the military, like maybe you were too young or too old, like 
everybody in America was part of that effort. Like everybody had yep. ways to serve and be part of it, um, big and small, uh, you, you know, and, and really that's how the church should be that everybody who's a believer in the gospel has a way to serve. There's a unity in that part of the body. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately I think we, we get the priorities, uh, messed up or, or again, uh, for too many, a, a lack of ownership of, um, that that's why you're here, ultimately. You know, if, if, if somebody's ever wondered why, why would we come to faith? Why, why doesn't God just take us up to heaven immediately? Because there's work to do. That's right. Amen to that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, there's work to be done. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you said something. I mean, so there's, there's, you know, reliance on the church or pastors or youth pastors. I mean, the, the responsibility falls on on the parents and, and we have to be sure. intentional in our parenting, you know, so, you know, this is, you know, a podcast about evangelism, but attention, intentional fatherhood, nobody else can replace that role. But, you know, we, we oftentimes, you know, whether it's, you know, to the church or to the teachers, you know, in our public school systems, you know, we rely too heavily on, we always say, you know, we, we, we usually get asked when people find out we, we have such a large family, are, are you Catholic or Mormon? Well, we're neither, <laughs> but we, we, and people always follow up with, do you homeschool? They want to know how strange we really are. I think that's the question they're leaning into. But uh, we don't homeschool. We we public school our children, but we home disciple them. You know, and there's some intentionality in that uh, disciple making, whether it's part of the evangelism and, and follow up of, of a open air evangelism outreach. But there's an intentionality in that relational building. And in, even in those conversations, um, like you, you mentioned, I mean, just uh, you know, getting the conversation to something of meaning and purpose and eternal, you have to be intentional. You have to kind of lean into the the, the uh, person sitting across from it. You don't have an agenda. The you know you're you're thinking of ways to uh, get the conversation to the person of Jesus because it's the most important conversation we can have. But it's asking questions. You know, your your agenda is not to spout out truths about the Bible or about Jesus or you know, a, an apologetics kind of way. I mean, like you want to know those things so you can answer, genuinely answer questions, but it's not, a, it's never a debate like, you know, uh, it shouldn't be a debate of, you know, this versus that, and, and I'm going to prove you right. You know, if, if you care more about the person on the other side, there's there somebody said there's, you know, this was uh, a ministry that I was a part of, you know, years back, but they said there's kind of three things that really hold people up from truly embracing and knowing Jesus. And it could be either, uh, volitional or you, your will, you just don't want to. It could be emotional hang up. They've got some past hurts from the church, from a pastor, from a a a, a family member they see as hypocritical that was you know saying that they're a Christian and and has hurt them. So there's emotional hurts um, or intellectual. So I mean, we want to be you know uh, ready to answer and, and know more about the person on the other side of that question they may be asking you. Or the comment they make directed towards you, like looking through the comment and saying, you know, what is that person, and and what's what's going on in their life that I can ask good questions about to let them kind of work through some of these issues. Truth is truth, you know, and so it's gonna it's gonna stand the test of time. It's gonna you know even if I say something uh, you know wrong, you know, the, God's truth is truth, and so it's it's not something that I can shape or change. Uh, but helping them understand truth and, and asking good questions and, and help, you know, revealing it to them through their own uh, thought process, you know, but again, 
thinking about the person on the other side, like, how do I care more about them do I, than I do about saying the right thing or not embarrassing myself in a conversation or the fear of man, right? I think, you know, you've, you've said that before, um, Josh, yourself, and we can be fearful of what the person on the other side thinks of us, or especially if it's a close friend or family member, like you don't want to hurt that relationship, you know, and distance that really, I enjoy, you know, watching the Buckeyes with this person. And, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, them to not invite me to the next party they throw, you know, the Buckeye watching party or something like, you know, so I'm not going to bring up Jesus because oh, you're that Jesus guy. I'm not going to invite you to the party. Like, do I care about them more than whatever it is? So. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a real concern. I, I feel like this springboards into this is something that I was curious to ask you about. And I mentioned this before we started recording. Um, along with my friend, Eric, who I had on the podcast a couple months ago, you two, of all the people that I know, I feel like are the two most natural at taking a conversation and suddenly you're talking about faith or about Jesus, but where it doesn't feel weird. And I gave the example. It's not like you're eating like chicken wings or pizza or or watching a game uh, and out of the blue, like just some random spiritual question that has no relevance to what you've been talking about um is that something that you feel like is a skill that you've developed is that something that kind of comes naturally for you (laughs) yeah i I think it it starts for yeah it starts first with uh you know a genuine love for jesus you know and and so you know personally if, if you are in love with something whether it's buckeye football and i know i mentioned a couple times but if you're in love with something you're going to talk about it so you're going to find ways to talk about it. You're going to get excited when you talk about it. So I mean, I think it starts with a genuine love for Jesus, you know, and and a thankfulness that He's chosen to use me, uh, you know, in, in this lifetime, you know, and uh, you know, ch- you're choosing to use someone as broken as me to 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 further uh, His glory. It's not about me, uh, but yeah, it starts with with uh, with you know, quiet time, you know, spending time with the Lord, you know, prayer, um, you know, certainly a lot of talking. Jesus and thinking about uh, others and, and uh, eternal things. I mean, because I can get caught up with all kinds of things, you know, throughout my day or my week and and be distracted. But if I don't set my mind on things above, um, you know, and and prayerfully and, and regularly, uh, then it then it's going to be my my day is going to be off, you know. And actually, that so I'm going back to my story. The idea of Jesus being Lord of my life every day. Now I start my day with. A simple phrase, and I say, you know, Jesus, you are Lord. How do I serve you today? That understanding, and I, and I say it verbally out loud to myself. I want to, you know, as I have breath every day, I want to hear myself say that. Um, and it's that you know position that I put myself in, understanding of the lordship of Jesus, not only just his um, this him being a savior, is is where you know I get my instructions for the day, you know, and, and pray, and then I start to you know praying for the day and the things that I know are on my calendar and, and the people that I'm going to be in, interacting with, and you know, so I come, you know, a lot of the preset meetings, the ones that are not kind of in the margins or or random, you know, I come into those conversations, you know, prayed up, you know, and and thinking about that other person and and how do I have meaningful conversations with them, whether it's through work, I mean, talking about finances all day, but. Um, you know, you, you can have meaningful conversations ar- around purpose and life and, and things that are, that are, you know, money is just a tool to achieve, you know, life's goals and purposes and, 
Um, you know, so how do I have those you know, more meaningful conversations with clients and with others? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it has to be intentional, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that actually leads into the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Both with your, your current work and also previous places where you've, you've worked over the years, how have you brought faith into the workplace? Yeah. That might have, that might, that might have varied a little bit depending on the job and, um, you know, other factors. Yeah, certainly. But how is that something for... that you larger firms or work for the social security administration for a season, like, you know, finding some, um, you know, others to, you can align with, uh, again, we're the body of Christ, you know, so, so those who you can be encouraged by, um, you know, in the workplace. Uh, I, I think about one of the, one of my past coworkers, I used to uh, read my Bible at lunch. And so they avoided me for months and months until we were uh, almost forced to be in a, in a, on a project together. And, uh, you know, and, and, and getting to know each other through that experience, he said, wow, you are, you know, an okay person. You know, you can carry conversation and, and uh, you know, you seem to be pretty cool, you know? So I was like, it, you know, seeing that reading my Bible at lunch, you know, avoided, but the intentionality of certainly prayer that uh, was impactful in my life, you know, through Jeremy asking how he could be praying for me. And so in the workplace asking, I've, I've been, you know, turned down only a very few times when asking, how can I pray for you? And, and I think the intentionality of asking those things, um, you know, you, you have to follow up, you know, I you write it on note cards. Uh, now I use an app called Echo Prayer and, and keep kind yeah. of coworker prayer requests and like a little date next to it. And so, you know, I, I try to follow up with those. And, and, and I honestly tell people, I say, you know, I'll probably think about your prayer request, you know, today, maybe tomorrow, this week. Um, I'm going to jot it down. So I hopefully remind myself of it and be praying for you. But if it's still a prayer request a week from now, I'd love an update. You know, how can I continue to be praying for you? Kind of putting it on them even to update me for, you know, prayer requests um, has been a, a helpful thing. Uh, in, in business and work, one thing that I've done, like as, you know, managing people, I've taken like uh, my binder or whatever it is that I'm, I'm presenting or, you know, especially in a one-on-one mentorship or kind of, uh, you know, to to uh, employee kind of relationship, I've taken that binder, you know, their evaluation, whatever, gone through the business side of things, you know, folded it up, set it to the side, and say like, you know, what's going on in your life? How's your family? And like, you know, so it separates the business and personal um, by just something as simple as closing the binder and sliding it up to the side of the desk. So um, you know, it's not, it's trying not to commingle those two things and. Um, yeah, but looking for opportunities. I mean, it, it's intentionality in different ways, but prayer is certainly one of the things I, I think about. Um, one of the one of the most wonderful things that I've been a part of is uh, a coworker um, named Marie. She used to be a spiritualist, is how I describe her, um, and and she shared her story, you know, publicly and openly. And so I you know, have no problem sharing this on a podcast. But sure. she would. Uh, you know, read really nice things out of this. She had this book on her desk that was like nice sayings from uh, Gandhi or Mother Teresa or all these different kind of, uh, you know, things and, you know, Chinese proverbs or whatever. I mean, it's just this book of, of sayings and she would read kind of one a day or she'd read them when she needed them or something felt like she needed them. And, you know, I asked her, you know, what it was and just in those curious questions. And then, you know, I, as she, you know, gave it to me, I got to flip through it and there were some you know, biblical truth. There's some proverbs from the, the scripture. Mother Teresa, certainly, you know, you can, you know, jump in, you know, so using that as a conversation to get to Jesus. And, 
and then asking, you know, again, how I could be praying for you and learning more about her, her uh, three children and, you know, praying for her grandchildren and some of the challenges that she, you know, she had and with her, with her brother. And like, you know, so it was like, as you kind of, you know, get to know somebody, you know, that's, you know, just being intentional. I mean, I could easily have just done my job and, and kind of gone home and had other responsibilities at home, but, um, you know, getting to know people, asking good questions, leaning in, really, truly caring about them. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's encouraging to hear. Um, it's a great story. Yeah, she, why do you she, think evangelism is so, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. I was going to say, why do you think evangelism is so hard for so many Christians? Oh, man, I think one of the most challenges is uh, it hasn't been taught. Uh, you know, so it's not something that, you know, we either had a mentor relationship or someone who has taught us uh, evangelism, you know, so that idea of discipleship and, and evangelism being a part of that, not just learning the word of God, but the ways of of Jesus. And, and part of that is, you know, caring about others and evangelism. And so that's one thing, uh, you know, personally, I think fear fear of man, fear of rejection. I kind of mentioned that before, but, um, you know, fear that we wouldn't have the right words to say, uh, you know, that we'd be, we'd make an, we'd be embarrassed or embarrass ourselves or fear of those relational, uh, ties, especially with family members, you know, like you're going to, you're going to see them again. It's sometimes easier sure. to do evangelism in the inner, inner city or uh, the neighboring yeah. city or somewhere else that I like, you know what, put my hands up and say, I'm not going to see that person ever again. You know, it's like, yeah, or, on, or right. on the plane. I mean, I love kind of having a, a captive audience when I'm, I'm traveling, you know, and, and try to catch them before they put their earbuds in, you know, I'm like introduce myself and try to, you know, start a, strike up a conversation. Uh, but in those kind of conversations where someone I likely won't see again, I always follow up with, you know, do you know anybody else that truly believes this stuff? And is there anybody else in your life, you know, an aunt, uncle, grandma, oh, right. or whatever that that is following Jesus that truly believes this stuff because it puts them back in their world, not just this conversation we're having, you know, it's meaningful, purposeful yeah. conversation, but it, but it puts them in their world, you know, and you can give them your content information. They don't know you. They just met you or whatever. They may trust sure. you some and, and you, they had a pleasant conversation and, and a purposeful, meaningful conversation, but putting them back in their world, you know, it's always fun to ask that because, you know, they're, they're like, oh, my grandma, she took me to church or my sisters really got into this stuff. You know, so they, they, they then are putting them like they have a resource in their world if they have questions that follow up from your conversation. So, yeah, that's a great thought. Uh, I appreciate that. I just, in my mind's eye, had this image of you when you're like 70 years old and retired, you know, just flying every day from like Columbus to Cleveland just for. Not, not even to go to Cleveland, but just for like evangelistic purposes. You're stuck next to somebody uh, for, for, that's not a long enough yeah. flight, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a, uh, you know, further away going to New York city or, or maybe find out. Actually, it's funny. I, I have thought about, um, you know, so retirement's not a thing in the Bible, right. But um, we sure. talk about financial independence with people all the time and, and wealth management. And, you know, what do you hope to achieve, you know, once you reach financial independence or call it retirement from a job, um, but, you know, what, what are the, the importance of, of, you know, not what's the John Piper book, you know, don't waste your life, you know, collecting sea, yeah. you know, seashells on the seashore and, yeah. and the ocean, like, and what's the, that's the next phase of life. And, and I, I've thought about my wife shakes her head at me. I mean, Jessica probably, you know, just laugh, but, you know, what if we went down to a retirement community, we'll call it, you know, Arizona or Florida or whatever, 
and you know just kind of put up a a you know went down there with another couple and just started you know going door to door and asked people if they want to be a part of a bible reading group and just kind of multiplied that amongst these communities of people who are retired and um you know have a lot of time on their hands but you know kind of motivated and encouraged you know that that community that age group to be more missional be more uh yeah. you know on on mission or uh uh evangelism is, is part of their part of their life you know kind of training and teaching that group but you know my wife is 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 not going to be doing that with me and we're not going to be doing that probably um but you know in in later years uh she thinks i'm crazy but that was going through my mind you no know, more recently it was like you know not retiring but you know sure. repurposing my time uh in that stage yeah. of life <laughs> well that's something i say you know again we have quite a few people at, at the church i pastor who are you know a little bit youthfully challenged um <laughs> older but something I, I i say is you know there's no retire you and i were speaking earlier about how everyone has a ministry a way to serve and that's true for the rest of your life it's not like you're 80 or 85 or 90 and you've been part of a church for 60 years and then you get to be done no death is retirement like if you're if you still have breath in you there's still ways to serve and to glorify god in your life and um if god didn't have a purpose for you in this world uh, he, he would bring you back he would take you home but he hasn't so Amen. there's still work to do uh last thing i wanted to ask you about you mentioned the great commission earlier obviously a essential passage to evangelism and discipleship are there any other passages that for you personally are really encouraging or convicting or helpful uh in your approach to evangelism yeah, so uh, you know, one of my life verses is is First John three seventeen. Uh, you know, it says he who has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet shuts off his compassion. You know, how can God's love reside in him? I mean, my ultimate goal is to have God's love reside in me and people to see God's love through me. You know, and that's part of evangelism. But um, you know, certainly, I think it's a call for everybody to compassion. Um, you know, we have the world's goods, you know, if you're in this country, you, you, you know, have food on the table, you know, have resources, you know, whether they're direct or through the government. I mean, there's just, you know, there are, uh, people around the world who are well worse off, but yeah. the, you know, if you have the world's goods and see, sees a need, there's, there's this part of that passage that says like the seeing of the need. So we have to lean into that because Jesus said the needy will always be with us. You know, so th th there's always going to be people in need, whether you're here or there, you know, around the world. Uh, but it's like it's that seeing and having that heart of compassion and not shutting off the compassion. Um, so there's this act of, of seeing. And it's not just the physical need, but I think in evangelism, you're seeing seeing a spiritual need. You know, like what is, what is this person behind the question they're asking behind this interaction? Like, who is this person that you're that you're there and speaking to? So seeing seeing the, the needs, um, you know, and not shutting off my compassion, saying I'm too busy to have this conversation or I don't have the margin. I mean, a big thing, you know, is really having margin in your schedule, in your time. I mean, so you're going to be more successful in evangelism and connecting with people and, and, you know, seeing a need and filling a need or not shutting off from compassion to that need when, when you have margin in your day. And I can get caught up in the busyness. You know, you've probably heard it before, but, you know, busy being under Satan's yoke. Um, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're too busy, 
you know, that, that's one way that Satan uses, you know, so people can't be, uh, you know, having conversations about Jesus, you know, that you're, you're too busy for that. You know, I can't help that person that's on the side of the road and get, needs their tire fixed. I've got a meeting to get to, or I've got this, you know, so building margin, whether that's, you know, we talk about financial margin, you know, but that time margin, you know, in your, in your life or in your schedule and your, and your week is important as well. I mean, and so being intentional in either, either scheduling that out or, or whatnot, but yeah, that first John uh, three seventeen is not, is not, you know, a direct call to evangelism, but it's a call to see the need and, and then not shutting off my compassion. And so, you know, it can be a physical need and meeting a physical need, uh, but also seeing that, you know, the spiritual need that, that we all have. So. Yeah. I, well, once again, I appreciate you taking time today and, and sharing. And uh, I think that this is such a, a encouraging perspective and love you, bro. I appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, I love you too. I thank you for the opportunity. I, mean, I certainly don't have a, a, you know, an MDiv or a doctor in front of my name, but you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a passion and a, and a heart calling, I think for everybody. You know, so the intentionality yeah. of, of of this this conversation, and I thank you for, you know, the, putting this podcast together. You know, interviewing people, getting this this topic of evangelism. We're not we haven't been called home yet. We've got work yet to do. Um, so I appreciate you kind of spearheading that and pushing that forward uh, for your audience.